Yes, God, He's so good. Oh, He's so good. Let's sing God answers prayers. Oh, yes, God answers prayers. Is that true in your heart tonight? That God answers prayers. Oh, that'll make your heart rejoice. God answers prayers. Oh, He's so Let's speak to this good and wonderful one tonight. Lord Jesus, what a wonder you are. What a, what a precious lily of our valley. We thank you, Father, for this chance to stand in a worship service and lift praise into your great and mighty name to give you glory. Lord, I thank you that our hearts want to declare glory unto you. There were times in our past that we did not value you as a priority, that we would put you on a back burner, that we would leave you standing there in line. Father, forgive us. Lord, I pray that from this moment on, that this, this exact heartbeat on, Lord God, that, that we would serve you with our whole hearts, that we would seek you, Lord Jesus, with our whole hearts, with a fervency, as a man dying in the desert, Lord, as, as a man that, that can't have not another second until they get to you, Lord, let it be that desperate here tonight. We must have more of you. We thank you, Lord God, that the only reason this desire, this burden can exist in us is if there's more to be had. That's why David would say, as the deep that calls to the deep at the noise of thy water spouts. Lord, we love you tonight. We appreciate you. It's such a privilege, Lord, to be standing here in a midweek service and all the tests and trials that we've already went through and, and to just to be here this time, this evening, Lord God, right in the middle of our, our battle, right in the middle of our week, to know that we haven't just come way out here in the middle of nowhere in an old building just to gather with friends and people we love, and that's a benefit, Lord. But we believe with all our hearts that we have come tonight to see and hear and be in the presence of the living God that you, Lord Jesus, will take your word and change us from the inside out, Lord, that you will take your word and do a work in us, Lord, that gives us strength for the journey, that gives us faith, that build up and to grab hold of that sword of your word, Lord, harder than ever before. Lord, draw us nearer to thee tonight. Bless us here in this place. We surrender, Lord. We surrender. In your lovely and holy name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Y'all's mic must not be on. I said, welcome to the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. You glad to be here? Amen. We serve a living God. Tonight, we're going to cover a lot of scripture. We're in part two of weapons of our warfare. And I'm going to cover parts of battles in days gone by. And I'm going to cover uh, the things that God has done and just as quickly as we can. Because you will know by the time this service is over that he is still the same God that will help there with them as he is with you in your fight right now tonight. Same God. 
Same God. If you'll turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 10. Now, I want to grab just this one verse, and I understand what that chapter is saying, but, but I want gra to grab the profoundity and the sheer blunt statement of this verse. When thou goest forth to war against thine enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thine hands and hath taken them captive. You may be seated tonight. I'm spitting and popping a lot. Is it too loud out there or is it just too loud up here? So it's just up here. Okay, so I'll turn these down. That one's not easy to turn down. I'll try that. Is that better? It's better for me. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm still getting something. Sorry about that. We have a very overpowering system now. We're trying to figure everything else out. And, and so please bear with us. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I, I love this, this church. I love this assembly. I love what God has built right here. You feel that way tonight? I, I, I love what God has done right here. We, we understand our enemy. We understand the adversary. We know how he's out to get us. And you know that you have the people that have those complexes. Everybody's out to get you. Well, our enemy's out to get you. Our enemy's out to get you. And, and we live in a day that, that, like we said on Sunday, that there's never been more demons poured out on a particular group of people. And, and as you take that negative aspect and look what's been poured out, but you also look what the Bible calls you. It calls you a members in particular. That's what he calls you, members in particular. You're not just a body count in a war. You're not just a, what was it, Vietnam? They just kept throwing bodies at that but the particular guerrilla warfare. They throw more bodies and more bodies, and, and they turn around and ship more body bags back. This ain't the kind of war you're in. This is the kind of war that one will chase 1,000, two will chase 10,000, and that's just in the, the old shadow type of a glimmer that we had in the Old Testament. I can't imagine if God would say right now what one would do under this shed blood, under the opening of the seal of the, the, the king of kings being here now. I can't imagine what that looks like. Let your mind wander for a minute right now tonight. If just at one would chase a thousand under the blood of bulls and goats, and you take all of the things that, that under that sacrifice, under all that little bit of a sprinkling, under that little bit of atonement, what all it would allow and all that would give you, and you measure that in comparison to the cross of Calvary and the shedding of that lamb, of that son, of that king, given his life and his blood and, his, and all that he give for you, and you see what little this did versus how great this was, and you look at that comparison, under that, one will chase a 1,000, two will put 10,000 down. And as tiny as that was, under the greatness of this grace and this mercy and blood atonement for you, I can't imagine how big that number would be right now. Now, the, the, the prophet would ask you, why are you living beneath your means? Why are you living beneath your means? This is why faith comes by hearing. This is why we, I read so much scripture to you. I love to read the scripture. Sometimes you think maybe I got nothing to say. I just want to read scripture. I love to read the scripture because in that scripture, your faith is arose. It, it rises up. It comes up to meet that challenge. It understands that I'm not just myself. I'm bought with a price. I'm chosen. I'm foreknown. I'm predestined. I'm elected to be here this day. I'm not one born out of season. I was built, designed, put here in this day. And the reason I'm here is not just to hide in a pew and say, oh, God, just come get me when it's over and, and don't don't let them kick me too hard. Don't let them kick my family too hard. Don't let them kick my loved ones too hard. No, it's just stand up just like Gideon and say, where are they at? Walk out there just like David. Where's he at? That's all that is? Come here. I'll take your head off. How many more demons you got behind us? Why are you scared? See, this faith, this message, this truth, this builds up a courage in you that you ain't hiding no more. 
again, it changes how you fight. Changes how you fight. So when you have faith, and, and that's what is so interesting about what God has done in this assembly, the faith that God has built just for this body of believers. Now, again, I, I tell you, I love the law of contrast all the time. A lot of times in that law of contrast, you can see what you are. If you're looking at something negative, so if that right there is directly opposite of what I am, whoo! So if all hell's poured out against this little assembly, if all hell has come against with as much fervor and nonsense and craziness and scratching and howling and uh, what was it just, we had, the, we had the mics get turned down where the Andrew was preaching and it was something else Sunday too, wasn't it? Something, that, yeah, the TV wouldn't come on, the camera wouldn't work. It's all new stuff. And it's not Walmart, no, oh, it is Walmart stuff, but it ain't Fred's or Dollar Store. I mean, it's good expensive stuff. So you understand it's just the enemy doesn't like even something like that. Again, that should make you pretty happy. See, it's, it's fun being on the, the devil's number one hit list. As long as you got faith in your heart. Otherwise, you're scared. Oh, no, will he, will he yell back? Will he swing back? Oh, he's going to swing back. That's what I said that Sunday. You've got to stay on your toes. The prophet will tell you a lot. If you haven't listened to the message, the greatest battle ever fought in a while, you need to go back and listen to it. He always tells you about that being trained by that man that was called Six Second Smith. He told us, you always stay on your toes. You cannot be sitting down. You cannot be lax. You can't be hiding in the corner of the ring just sitting down trying to ride the clock out. I know a lot of people in this message trying to ride the clock out. Oh, Lord, let the rapture come and let it just take me and I'll be, and this will all be over and, and all this misery. You're not called to ride a clock out. You're called to be on your toes, your hands trained for war. And the Bible talks about make my feet like hinds feet. If you've ever seen any of those animals, they'll walk right up a sheer face wall. They'll take a little tiniest ledge where no one else can get footing. They can get footing. The Bible talks a lot about footing about where you stand, about where you place the soles of your feet, what that calls for, what that denotes, what that engards to you for. It's possession. I, I read to you on Sunday where Brother Brown was making it clear over and over and over to such a straining a point who owns the abstract title deed of this earth, of this planet, of everything that exists on it. It is not Lucifer. It is not Satan. It is none of his hordes of devils or imps or whatever you want to call them. It is not them. It's now you. It's now you. Now, again, uh, in a natural type, if you went home tonight and you owned your house and it was your name on the deed and you found someone there squatting and they told you, no, no, it's my house now. This ain't your house no more. Would you just say, oh, well, I apologize. Sorry for bothering you. No, you're going to do something about it. You're going to do, that's my house. That's my house. I don't have to ask you permission from my house. That's my house. You're going to get out. There is no, and there's no negotiation. There's no wondering. There's no, you're coming out right now. You know that, that the entwinement that I, we, we was praying earlier in our, our prayer to dedicate the service, that there in Ephesians talks it, that I think it's Ephesians, it talks about he knits your hearts together in love. He knits your hearts together in love. And, and I've shared a lot with you too, the way a dovetail works. If you've ever tried to make a drawer or a dovetail joint, that they, each side must be perfectly cut and slip right in. And once it's locked, once that's locked in place, there's no ripping it out. It must be perfectly cut in place. Peter says that you are lively stones. You've been a cut stone. You've been on the potter's wheel. He's laid out your life. You've walked through every offense, every furnace of fire. You know what you do with a pot? You stick it in the kiln. 
the potter's wheel. You stick it in a kiln. You can't just say, here's a lump of clay. What do you think? No, it must go through the potter's wheel. It must go in that furnace of fire. It must be tempered. How do you make steel harder? You temper steel. You dip it and make it hot, and you make it stronger by doing that. Otherwise, the first little bit of heat that comes, it starts to wither and wilt, wither and melt. You're not built to wither and melt. I heard a statement the other day, and I've, I've, I thought I, I believe this, and I've, I've looked at it a lot of different ways, but, but I like the way this time it was worded. And the, pro, the, 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 the statement was made is this, that the problem is not the problem. Now, this is built to design to be whatever you're going through at this moment. Whatever's bothering you at this moment, whatever offense, whatever complex, whatever sickness, whatever um, struggle, whatever wound, whatever um, you know, trial or test, whatever it is, that the problem is not the problem. We're going to solve for X tonight. We're going to solve for that algebraic equation. You're going to solve for X tonight. What that would be, the problem is not the problem. Your reaction to the problem is the problem. Your reaction to the problem is the problem. Everything, at all times, at all places, no matter what you're wearing, no matter where you're sitting. You a lot of times think, well, I'm in church. I'm okay. The devil won't get me there. If I'm in my car, if I'm in bed, if I'm here later. No, it's always a test. Everything, at all times, in all places, is a test. Now, why would that be? Again, if we were in special warfare tactic training, you would be on a constant, uh, your head's on a swivel, everything all day long. They don't last the full-time basic training does. A lot of them are two-week to 60-day to courses, depending on what they are. And you're constantly trained to be a certain type of warfare. Each thing is this way, this way, this way, this way. And at the end of that result, it makes you a certain kind of fighter. A certain kind of fighter. And if you were to jump into the Old Testament, anything from the Reubenites and the Gadites and all those that would stay on that side of Jordan, what kind of fighters they were. And then you pull up to David and Saul's time and what kind of the difference between an archer versus a bowman and the type of men of war that would then come over to David's side and, and these men who's, who were trained a certain way that they would go out with just a thousand men and put a hundred thousand down. Trained in a certain way. You yourself, again, are not trained to wrestle with flesh and blood. We're not in here Sunday and Wednesday showing you all these grapple holes and, and, and any martial arts or anything like that. Well, I can do this and all that. No, you don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Anytime, any place. That's right. Think about the maniac there in Oregon. The maniac there in Oregon, they come up there and they challenge Brother Branham on the platform. He got past all the ushers, the deacons, the, 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 the policemen that were there as well, walked up to him and he said, I'm going to break your face. I'm going to hit you right in your face. You're a liar. You're this, you're this, you're this. Brother Branham said that man was big enough to do it. And it was the, the police ushered him out later. They carried his body out later. They told that one guy said, we just heard within the last three to five days, he had hit another minister and broke his jaw. One punch. Now, Brother Brown was a welterweight champion. I think it was 25, 35 fights he won professionally. So as far as a welterweight or bantamweight, whatever it was, he might be pretty good, but it's very difficult to take out someone that big in your own strength, much less be demonic, uh, demonic possessed. Just much less demonically possessed. If you take a man that's six foot five versus a man that's five foot five and, and the weight and the strength, no matter how fast you are, you might be landing blows, but the guy's laughing at you. That's all the best you got. Hit me again, I'm laughing at you. So that's just in the natural stand, much less you adding demonic uh, possession as well. So you're not called to fight that man as a Goliath of your day in the flesh of it is. You're called to defeat the thing that has him bound. 
And if you're going to defeat the thing or things that have them bound, you can't expect a repercussion. You can't expect a backlash. Brother Brown would tell all the time that in the prayer lines, he would cast those demons out, and then they follow him home. They follow him home, and they would come, come at him and spit at him and yell at him, and you're not this, and lie, and, and even see him in a, some type of manifestation. They follow him home. Who here wants that? He told about that alley-oop looking thing that appeared in his corner one morning. Told him it sounded very, he said, big old massive, tall looking like, he's the only way I think to describe him is like that caveman that they call alley-oop in the old comic books, standing in the corner. He said, there's kind of a hairy thing, standing and looking at him. He said, William Brown, you got no power with God. Come there to taunt him. Just like Goliath before the, the children of Israel come there to taunt them. Again, you don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So that's what I said, we're not in here training you how to wrestle, how to fight, how to martial arts, any of those things. We're telling you how to go after that demon. Now, the thing about the demon is, uh, like what Matt was talking about the day, that, that most folks, unless you're in the message, it's not very common in other organizations, denominations. Brother, it looks like you're struggling. Imagine a Baptist guy walking up to Legion. Uh, Brother Legion, there's been something on that we'd like to pray off of you at the moment. They might be offended. They might take that a Presbyterian, Lutheran, Catholic, um, you, you fill in the blank, walk up to them. They might be a little bit offended by that. You've got to get over the offense. You've got to get over the embarrassment. Or you're going to walk off and let that thing stand there. Can you imagine how embarrassed Saul and his men were day after day after he embarrassed them? You won't, none of you come out and fight. None of you is a man enough to come out and fight me. None of you will. You understand someone that's sitting beside you that's demonic and possessed is taunting you if you are who you say you are? You understand that's an open taunt to you? Come on now. You understand that tonight. Don't, you're getting quiet because if, if, you, if you say amen to it, that means you realize you got to do something about it. And it's not easy to say, well, is he done yet? You're not looking at me directly, is he? <clears throat> It's what you've been called to. It's what you've been called to. And you've got to know how to fight. You've got to know how to fight. You're not going to make it very far if you think everything's just roses and picnics and just the flowery bed of ease. You can't think that, that well, if I had one test, one trial, if I fall down one time, if the first time, the first, um, you know, the first hardship comes up, I got to give up and, and I, just, I just can't serve the Lord anymore. And, and that's what devil tells you all the time. You make one mistake and fall down. Satan's like, see, I told you you couldn't do it. I told you you couldn't do it. See, you got to keep getting back up. Just like a fighter, someone knock you down, you get back up. Someone knock you down, you get back up. You're in the army of the Lord. Yes, now, I, I want you to always to to know these things, to be well-versed in these things. I don't want you to ever walk around saying, oh, it's just, a, it's just what's it called, uh, sunshine and rainbows. I think the old sign, you got to know that you're in a fight. And you know what your enemy is. We talk a lot about what your enemy looks like, what your enemy comes at you, how your enemy is constantly trying to destroy you. It's not just to destroy you. He wants to steal from you first. He wants to kill you, and then he wants to destroy anything that was left of you. He wants to utterly smear you off the planet. There's no quarter. There's no negotiation. There's no bargaining. There's no, you stay over there, I'll stay over here. No, you're, the only thing that's on his mind is you dead. We talk about that a lot. What happens in this room as your heart rises to a certain faith, the more you get close to the Lord, the more of your life that's surrendered. A lot of times we can't even tell it. We can't even tell that we're getting closer to God. We think we're right in the midst of it and we're in a hard test and trial. And man, I must have failed 90,000 times today and I'm still, 
I am still here. I'll agree with that. And we think that's just it. The whole time Satan's like, they're still standing. Four more on them. They're still standing. Four more on them. And we're thinking, I just can't do it no more. I can't do it no more. But yet somehow you're still doing it. So you and a lot of times your own self don't realize you're getting stronger, but your enemy could testify you're getting stronger. He done hit you and hit you and hit you, and yet you're still standing. Yes, Sister Vanessa, you're still standing. Come on, hit me again. I'm still standing. You will not make me down. You will not take me down. I'm still on my feet. So you got to know what you're coming up against. You got to know what kind of enemy. You know how to know what's against you. And once all those things are settled in your mind, and you know that it's not a picnic, that it's a battle, that it is absolutely a battle that occurs every second of your life. Okay, I'm not confused. I'm not wondering. I'm not guessing. Is this a battle? Is this a battle? No, everything. This is the test. What's next, Lord? What's next, Lord? What's next, Lord? We're going to get through this. We're going to press toward the mark. We're going to get through this. We're going to make it. You're going to make it too. I didn't guarantee that. He guaranteed that. I didn't call you to this church. He called you to this church. We're going to make it. We're going to overcome. We're going to make it. Now, your enemy is a big old bluffer. He ain't nothing but a jive talking man. He ain't nothing but a con man. He ain't nothing but a front man. He's this. He's this. He's this. He's this. He wants you to think he's as big and as bad and as tough as he is, but he is not. He is not. He's a broken, pitiful little thing. But he's good at his job. So don't you ever take your eyes off of him. He's good at his job. You always stand your toes. We got that part covered? Everybody understands? We got that part covered. You're, you're no right where you're at in your fight. Now let's talk about how to destroy him. Now let's talk about how to destroy him. You know where you're at? You know what's going on? You know what your day looks like now. You know what your second, your hour, your minute, your week, all those things look like. I'm stepped up. I'm dressed and arrayed for war. Now, let's get to work. The sword of the Lord is in the hand of the bride. The God, the king of the universe, ripped the seals off the book and has exposed himself to his wife. This isn't nothing nasty. This isn't anything perverted. This is now you seeing him in plain view. This is not, as I touched on that on Sunday, how the ark was back then, how the ark had to be carried through the river of Jordan over the heart of the people, how it had to be walked through in a certain way, how it had to be carried in a certain way, how it was the word of God, but it was still guarded and veiled and sealed away from them in that manner and that aspect because of what happened in Eden. But don't forget, Revelations 10 happens as well. Now, you in your day stands here with all the seals put off the book, the mystery that's been hid since before the foundation of the world and again, I can't preach nothing to you that don't either come out of Genesis or Revelation. It's got to come backwards and forwards. It shows what Satan did, and it shows where Satan's going. Amen. Again, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing, and they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They overcome him. Now, that ain't all how you overcome him. That's just one of the ways you overcome him. Understand? You don't understand how powerful your testimony is. I've told this with you a lot of times. I have shared the testimony of what God has done for each one of us. I mean, I've even, like I said, I had a wrong number text me a couple weeks ago from California, and I asked her if she knew of a living God, if she ever seen a living God, and, and I started showing the testimonies and, and what God had done, and she's like, that's not supernatural, and uh, I disagree. I disagree. If, if one thing is one way forever and won't get no better, all of a sudden now it's better, that's supernatural. Because ain't nothing natural can do it. Ain't nothing natural can do it. So the power of your testimony, it taunts the enemy. It taunts the enemy. 
See, he's constant taunt against you. He's constant mock against you. He's constantly out in your face running his mouth. But your testimony steps up and says, no, 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 my God is still real. My God is still doing this. My God is still keeping his word. And promise you, if he's keeping that word, he's keeping this back here in the back of the book too. Oh, and he says he escorts you to the lake of fire and throws you in. My God keeps his word. My God keeps his word. So here we have before us now a living army, a living people, members in particular serving a living God. Serving a living God. Serving a living God. See, these aren't my promises. These aren't my words. I'm telling you, these are his words. See, and again, at the same time, Satan's going to beat you up, tell you you're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. And that, you can almost agree with him. You're right, I'm not worthy. But on that day on Calvary, Brother Ram said a worthy one took your place. A worthy one took your place. You realize you were supposed to go to hell? You're supposed to. Because of what Adam did, how you was born, you were supposed to go to hell. You know you were supposed to die? I heard a brother link this the other day with what David, David and Bathsheba had done. David had made his mistake, and David was supposed to marry Bathsheba. I love this. David was supposed to marry Bathsheba in, in the end. It was supposed to be his wife because that's who Solomon comes from, was who David and Bathsheba. Uriah had been married to Bathsheba all these years, could never produce a seed. Uriah is the one that the, the spring of life was dried up in him. He would have eventually passed away because he was an older man. Uriah was a Gentile. But you understand that with Bathsheba, they were supposed to be together, but not in David's time, in God's time. And so that when they come together and they committed that act, that that child died, the child died. You, you know the scripture. This isn't anything new. The child died. You realize the mother and the father should have died? You realize that for that sin, this is the law. This is Mosaic law. They should have died for that act of adultery. They should have died. The mother and the father of that child, which was not named, should have died for what they did. But instead, the child died. Instead, the child died. You know that Adam and Eve should have died, but instead their son died in their place? The Lord Jesus Christ? Because he kept talking about the second Adam, the second Adam, the one that took your place. The one, see, you should have died, but someone took your place. You know, you should have been buried in the ground in sin and shame and condemnation, but someone took your place. You realize you should have went to hell, but someone took your place. He went to hell for you. Let that sink in. He went to hell. He didn't have to go to to go wrestle the abstract title deed away from Satan. He didn't have to go there. He could have just, wherever he was at, it just appeared in his hand. He didn't have to go down there. He could have just you know, appeared the keys of death. He, didn't, he went down there to prove a point. I'm here so they don't have to be. I'm here so they don't have to be. See, see how we get tonight, but he led captivity captive. Satan's only plan is to put you in chains, to steal from you, to kill. He's to bind you till he kills you. It's how you, you bind something until he kills you. And he tries every little thing constantly, seeing what will stick. Any little tiny thing. That's why the thing about burrs are. If you've ever sanded off a piece of wood or if you've ever sanded off a piece of metal, any of these little things, a burr, if you're running it through something a fraction bigger, will, do, will tear up and, and have things that will catch on. You follow me what I'm saying? If you... If you have a three-quarter inch spindle and you put it in a seven-eighths of an inch hole or a 13 sixteenths, however you want to figure that, and that board has some burrs sticking out, it won't spin freely in that hole. Everybody's got my math right? 
Okay, it should slide through perfectly fine, but if it's got some burrs or thorns on it, it won't spin freely. It'll get hung up. They get hung up. You see what they'll do? And the, 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 your enemy's always trying to get things to get hang up on you, trying to get this to stick on you. And it's like throwing wet paper towels at a wall, seeing what will stick. Try that, try that, try that. Anybody else, you got any more ideas? Anybody else, keep coming up. Anybody else got more ideas? Keep throwing at them, keep throwing at them. You have things thrown at you, you're like, I ain't struggled with that in years. What are you doing with that? That was, that was, a, poor, that was a poor move, Sue. That was a poor move. That's the best you got. But you want everything smoothed off. You want everything cleaned off. You want everything pure and undefiled in your life. This is why you constantly keep your heart and your life on the altar. Lord, if there's something I've forgotten, if there's something I've missed, if there's something I've said, if there's something I've thought, there's something I've thought, God, forgive me, have mercy on me. Because again, the prophet of our day was told that you tell them that their thoughts speak louder in heaven than the words do on earth. There are things that have come out of yours and mine mouths that should have had us thrown in the lake of fire for. You know it, and I know it. I all turn on angels on me, turn to angels on me. Y'all over trying to, no, each one of us, you know there's things that you thought as well. You're guilty. I'm guilty. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for mercy. He didn't let you be there. But he led captivity captive. So he took your sin. He took my sin. He took all of that. And what he did, the Bible talks, but this is where a lot of people get stuck on the two-soul two thing. They say that because the Scripture states that the soul that sinneth must surely die. That's what the scripture takes. states. The soul that sinneth must surely die. And a lot of people, they get confused and think, well, I was a sinner, and because I was a sinner, then I, that has to die away, and God's got to give me a new soul. That's not what the scripture states. He puts a new spirit within you. That soul is redeemed. But the truth of that statement is this, that the soul that sinneth, it goes back on the first one that sinned. You go, who's the very first one that sinned? Go back to Isaiah 14. O Lucifer, how thou art fallen, when iniquity, when iniquity was found in thee, the very first one. So you now see the reason why he went to hell. He took your sins, he took my sins, and he walked down there and put them on the originator of sin. Here, these belong to you. These belong to you. They don't belong to her, they belong to you. I love that. I love that. That ain't mine. That's his. That ain't mine. That's his. Amen. Turn over to Judges chapter 5 with me. Somebody will invent a pause button for the clock. I would, I would sure appreciate you. I love what God does in this room. I know that it's easy, each one of us, to get our thoughts on other things and kind of slip out for a minute, but, but if we could ever get to a place, especially as a complete body, to where there's no distractions, there's nothing pulling you away, and you just focus in. I said that in our prayer of dedication earlier, that God can take this room right here and just slip it out of this reality and slip the entire room over in that other reality. What kind of a service would you have? Where that everybody in this room, every person is picking up what he's saying. Everyone in this room is seeing what he's doing. Everyone in this room is feeling what he's experienced to you. What kind of a service would that be? Judges chapter 5, verse 25. Judges chapter 5, verse 25. Now, we're, we're talking about one of the judges there in the day, and, and if, if you spent much time in Joshua and all that 
that do, and I, I don't know how far we'll get tonight. I don't see us getting that far in that. But but if even if you're to look back to John Joshua, and, and I'll, 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 I'll you know, kind of spend a second on this right here, that if you look back there in Joshua and all that was done, that over and over God gave them victory, God gave them victory, God gave them victory. And then I think it's in... Um, I hear if it's Joshua 13 or Joshua 12 that that he runs through the list of all the names of the cities and the kingdoms and the kings that were put down by them. And I'm thinking, and it's a full chapter. It might even be two chapters, one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, and after the other. And you're like, man, I, it's almost sometimes like the, you know, the genealogies can get you in. And if you miss the, the beauty of the genealogy, you're not the first one that has. But the same thing in this right here. He's not just throwing names at you for fun. He's showing you that the demons of their day, the thing they thought of their day, easily fell to the word of God, easily fell to the word of God. And if you look at that and say you maybe to update the names of all of those enemies that were against Israel, of all of those things, again, they don't wrestle with flesh blood either. These were people, these were humans created just like you were, but Satan had got in and twisted things and through the influence of demonic influence had now brought them against Israel, had now decided they must kill Israel. Because again, you understand the purpose of what they was after, to just erase them off the map. No more Israel. So if you take the names of every king that fell, every kingdom, every country, and update it to your day today, update all those names, and there's a lot of names. And I was reading that, I'm like, man, that's a lot of names. It's a lot of names. Now let's update them. Bipolar, schizophrenic, OCD, blindness, deafness, mute, uh, you name them. Over these things, over and over and over, they all fall to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single one. Well, we come up with a new thing. We figure this out. We figure, no, no, no. It's all got to fall. Bipolar, or whatever, you name it. I don't care what it is. Anxiety, depression, discouragement. It's got to fall to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ because he still sets captives free. Has to. Do you believe it does? Judges chapter 5, verse 25. Now, is, is it Sisera that had come to her? Yeah, the Sisera had come, and he was you know, obviously a really bad guy, and God had raised up uh, these judges to, to uh, and all, the, all, the whole purpose, the entire whole purpose of all these people that come against Israel is because Israel, God would do something for Israel and deliver them, and everything is great for a few years, and they go right back to their, their backsliding, right back to their, their, their blasphemy and all these things and worshiping other gods. And then the, something would happen, and they would need God again, and they're like, oh, we need him. We need him. God would send a deliverer. God would send a savior. He would set them free, and they would serve God for a few more days, and then he's not so looking, is he? Back to their own junk. Back over and over and over. And then if you look even in Joshua, I can't remember how many times it's in Joshua, but even as they cross Jordan, you'll find that statement that God says to Joshua, when your children ask years down the road, what mean ye these stones? that are in the river Jordan and on the bank of Jordan, when they ask you these words, what mean ye these stones? <clears throat> You'll tell them. The Lord God Jehovah opened the Jordan at flood stage and we walked through on dry ground. Now you tell every child that comes after you. So in Joshua, <clears throat> Joshua dies. Joshua's kids die. The next generation, they don't know God. 
They don't know what God did. They're not telling their kids. They're not passing it on. They're not sharing these testimonies with them. Let me tell you about the God you serve. Let me tell you about the God that's protected you. Let me tell you about the God that's kept your entire lineage all the way back to Abraham, to, to Abel, to, well, not be Abel, but to Seth and to Adam. Let me tell you about that God. You know how much those kids wanted to know about that God? That you know they did. Every child, every person wants to know that. And then Satan comes along and will tell them this, give them this, try this right here, and then I will try to use it as a substitute to pull them away from God. Same devil. So now you have them here in the book of Judges. Over and over, God raised up a Gideon. God raised up a Barak. He raised up a Jephthah. He raised up a Shamgar. He raised up a Deborah. All these things. They serve God for a few days. They fall right back away. So now we're in another situation just like that. Sisera has come to the land, and he's done all that he's done. And now watch what God raises up in this one person. And again, this is only an Old Testament representation of what the bride of Christ is today. Don't make me cast out a dumb and deaf spirit now. This is an Old Testament representation of what the bride is today. Thank you. Thank you. This is you. He asked water, verse 25, and she gave him milk. She brought forth butter in a lordly dish. She put forth her hand to the nail. She put her hand to the nail and her right hand to the workman's hammer. You got a visual image in your mind? And with the hammer, she smote Sisera. She smote off his head when she had pierced and stricken through his temples. Well, I'm a woman. I can't pray to God like that. I can't get victory like that. I can't. I'll read you more. At her feet, he bowed. At her feet, he bowed. He fell. He laid down. That's a lot of descriptions. He bowed. He fell. He laid down. At her feet, he bowed. He fell. Where he bowed there, he fell down dead. What if she'd only been waiting for Gideon? What if she'd only been waiting for Barak? What if she'd been only waiting for, well, I heard what Shamgar can do. Maybe Shamgar come by her way. No, she said, I saw what they did. I'm going to do the same thing. See, victory gets contagious. Victory gets contagious. If one of you gets victory in something, someone else will say, wait a minute, they serve the exact same God I serve. Where's my demon at now? I'll come for you right now. You serve the same God. He's the same God for you as he is for me. The Bible said he's no respecter of persons. Even amongst his own body, he's no respecter of person. If he did it for you, he'll do it for you if you meet him on the same ground. If you meet him on the same ground. Jump over to Philippians chapter 1. <clears throat> shot past it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 25. Philippians chapter 1, verse 25. I learned something today that I don't I didn't know. Now you probably didn't know this, but I didn't know this. I heard a brother preaching for Brother Samuel Browning. I think he preached Sunday for him up in uh Sheffield, Sheffield, Ohio. And the brother goes to um I forgot his name, but the course sale, I think it goes to Brother Wayne's church there in Bluffton. I didn't realize that the church of the Philippians that was started from that jailkeeper. They're over in Acts. They were in Macedonia at Philippi where they were beaten because they cast out that demon, that woman that had the divining spirit that fallen around. These are men of God. These are men of God. These are men of God. They were cast. They were beaten and thrown into prison, and they told the jailer to keep them fast. 
keep them fast. So he puts them in the inner prison, and while they're sitting there beat all to pieces, bleeding, they start praising God. They start praising God. The presence of the Lord comes through and shakes that place with an earthquake, and everybody's chains falls off. Then that man comes to, wakes up, runs inside, and is going to kill himself because all the prisoners are, are let loose, and Paul tells him, don't do that. He gives his heart to God and says, what can I do to be saved? That man was from Philippi. I never realized that. You think about that testimony, what that thing did to Philip, the Philippians, the, uh, there at Philippi, and you had Lydia there as well. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1, verse 25. Having this confidence, <laughs> having this confidence, and he's already went through the middle of his Christ and the dies game, he said, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance, for your furtherance and joy of faith. I love the sentence that includes joy of faith. Joy of faith. Now, you know what faith is. Faith is an, a tangible substance. It's an actual substance. Faith can be perverted through doubt. And faith can change something. It, 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 it's so many testimonies what faith can be done. And then when faith comes by hearing, and I tell you what God did back there for David. I tell you what God did for Joseph. I tell you what God did in Abraham. I tell you all these testimonies back and forth. Again, you come to a very quick conclusion. Wait a minute. That man never knew that man. That man never knew that woman. And back and forth, back and forth. The only one thing constant between all of these testimonies is the one same God. And if he was their God and her God and his God and their God, he's still my God today. Faith comes. Faith comes. Faith comes. Through the, your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Let your conversation let your conversation, again, I'll insert just to this one point that death and life is in the power of the tongue. Speaking life. The first thing you do when you get up in the morning, you spin over, your legs hit the floor. Generally, the older you get, something hurts. The older you get, something hurts. Sometimes you ain't going to be that old. Depends if you fell down, got hurt the day before, something like that. And you get up, now you must walk to the bathroom. You must walk to the kitchen. You must start getting dressed. And, and all these things are reminding you of what body you're living in. And it's easy to start saying, oh, man, oh, that, that, and, and this starts coming out. But you're not to speak that. You're not to give ear to that. You're not even to give audience unto that. You know what that means? I don't care if my, my bones are creaking. I don't care if my stomach's grounded. I don't care about that. I will only speak what he speaks. Your conversation. Be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So if you don't understand, the gospel of Christ is those four guards, the gospel of Christ. It is the testimony and witness of Jesus Christ. That would be Mark, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of those four. Everything else is what that revelation, that event, that coming did to everything else. for the kingdom of heaven to actually come nigh thee. So when you keep your conversation ordered 
in that gospel, to be a benefit to that gospel, to be a reproach for that gospel, not to that gospel. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28, and in nothing terrified, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. You ever been scared before? Been fearful? Worried? And in nothing, and in nothing, and you're reading it, and in nothing. And I've shared that with you before, how much I love all things and the no thing. What can separate you from the love of Christ? There is no thing. And this is telling you now, and in nothing, and in no thing, terrified by your adversaries. Again, I'll share that with you. There in the valley that day that all of the children of Israel were terrified by what Goliath was saying. Terrified. You think about cancer in your natural human body. Most people, when they're given that prognosis, that diagnosis, you have cancer, you have six months to a year to live, they generally go ahead and die. Terrified. Fear grips their heart. They could have gotten easily two to five years more without doing anything whatsoever. You know, as far as just, because the doctor doesn't know the end from the beginning. The doctor's just giving his assumption. He's like, well, people in your similar case, they live this much longer if they don't do anything. But the first thing does, the devil uses that malignancy to put fear in you. Like, well, I might as well go ahead and die. I'm good as dead. They'll use that. I'm as good as dead. Says who? Says who? That's not what the word says. You know how cancer forms? I love that Brother Brown would make this distinction that cancer a lot of times is formed from a bruise. A lot of times it's formed through some kind of bruise, some kind of impact, the most common. Something is impacted in one way or another, and in that wound that a malignancy starts to form. A malignancy. And that's what they say, it turns malignant. That in that wound, if it doesn't heal right, that a malignancy, a cancer cell starts to form there, and then that progresses and progresses and progresses until it spreads and spreads and spreads. But the Lord Jesus heals you of your wounds. And so I'm not just talking about your body anymore. I'm talking about your spirit and your soul and your, 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 your character and your walk with the Lord. And, and that's why I say all the time that he's the binder of our wounds. He's the binder of our wounds. And I said that earlier about, you know, the, 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 um, the problem is not the problem. See, the problem is not the problem. Everything for you is meant to be a test. Everything for you is meant to be a test. You're going to go through some bad tests. You're going to go through tests that's going to tear you to pieces. And he's not going to care what was said or what was done. That's a completely different thing to him. He's sitting there listening to your heart. How did your heart respond? I've, I've had things happen to me before, and I responded wrong. I got mad. I got hurt. I got irritated. I got frustrated. And then I stepped back and said, God, I failed that test. And you know what happens when you fail a test? Take it again. And the thing that I've learned, if you fail a few of them, you take them way more. you got to pass them way more than if you just, okay, I passed that one. What's next? Pass that one. What's next? I've had to pass. I've had to take some of them. I'm ashamed to say how many times. I'm ashamed to tell how many times I failed them. I don't know. I hope I don't have that number memorized. I hope I let that go in the sea of God's forgetfulness. <clears throat> but 
let it go on the sea of God's forgetfulness. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them, the adversary, an evident token of perdition, an evident token to your adversaries, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer, suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Now here to be in me. Now, I'm going to read this to you out of uh, The Greatest Battle Ever Fought, 1962. And if you haven't heard it in a while, again, go listen to it a few times. You're, you'll miss 95% of it the first 10 times you listen to it, but keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Take notes, listen to it. Keep, there, there, I was, I, I said I have a lot of messages downloaded on my phone. That way it doesn't take service to run them. And I'll listen to them at night, and sometimes I'll listen to them for 30 minutes to an hour before I go to sleep. Sometimes I fall asleep on them. Sometimes I wake up and I listen to them. And, and I heard something reach, and I had it playing, and I woke up, and it's a, I think it's a two-hour and 50-minute sermon, something like that. And I woke up, and I heard him saying something, and I just, and I heard it, and I rejoiced, and then I fell back asleep. Thanks for the Lord, let it come back. So this is paragraph 341, the greatest battle ever fought. Satan's army brings diseases. Just type that in, Charity. Satan's, that's going to be an apostrophe, comma, apostrophe, Satan's, apostrophe S, armies brings diseases. <clears throat> Have you got it? I'll let it get on the board. That way you can read it as I say it. Satan's army brings diseases. That's what Satan is. He's a destroyer. Satan, the whole kingdom of Satan, is sickness, death, sorrow, frustrations, and worry. It's all on Satan. Brings diseases. Worry, fear, doubt, terrified, brings diseases. He's a destroyer. God is life, faith, joy, peace over here. He said, now, that's the two great forces that's coming together right now. They're battling. They're battling right here in the building right now. We're not exempt. We're not exempt. I can't imagine how many angels are in this room. I can't imagine how many demons are trying to fight this room. Whether they make it in or whether they're just outside just throwing what they can at you, trying to get you there the whole time. They're battling. They're battling right here in the building right now. They battle day by day with you, every force. Satan following you along, that great big kingly priestly Goliath trying to scare the liver out of you. You ever met that Goliath in one way, shape, form, or fashion? Trying to scare you, trying to keep you bound down. See, fear of keeping your chair. I, I've had times like that. I've gotten scared. I'm like, you know what? I thought I was going to do that, but I don't think I'm going to do that no more. And I'm not talking about godly fear. I'm talking about what the devil put on you. Satan following you along, that great big kingly priestly Goliath trying to scare the liver out of you. He's right, but God. See, you're fortified with the gospel with the word of truth around your loin. He said, helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword, waving it in your hand. That's that picture of you dressed in that Ephesians 6 army, holding the king's sword, which is the word of God. See, the, the Hebrews would say that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Most people, uh, depending on the, um, 
orientation would fight with either a single edge or a double edge. A lot of your Asians would fight with a single edge blade. And your other people, they would have a double edge. They weren't as skilled with the sword, so they think if they get you that way, they can come back and get you that way. But it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and we covered that the last two Wednesdays. What you find there in the garden, at the gates of the garden, the cherubim are holding those swords of fire. They're swords of fire, and the swords turn every which way. There is no way those swords won't go. And the Satan will try to get you, well, I'm not north, south, east, or west. I'm right diagonal from you. Gotcha. I come in this way. Gotcha. There's no way you won't get him. There's no way you won't get him. Do you doubt that sword? Most of us do. Most of us doubt that armor. Most of us doubt whether it's on. Most of us doubt whether we're even fortified by the word of God that will put that demon dog down all day long. We doubt it. Most of us doubt it. He said, helmet of salvation, shield of faith, the sword waving your hand, you saying, Satan, I'm coming to meet you. Coming to meet you. I'm coming to meet you. You meet me in the name of science. You meet me in the name of culture. You meet me in the name of organization. You meet me in the name of this, that, or the other. But I meet you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. I'm coming after you. Give way. Amen. Give way. Do you doubt your armor? Do you doubt your weapon? Do you believe it'll work? What's your prayer life look like? What's your prayer life look like? Prayer in the hand of a believer in the hand of a believer is an atomic weapon. It's an atomic weapon. I've said this with you many times. That's why that as soon as you kneel down to pray, every thought in the planet is coming at you. Your phone's ringing. Your email's going off. Your doorbell's ringing. Your dog's barking. Somebody's backing up a truck down the street. They're now decided to run jackhammers in front of your house all day long. <clears throat> what a coincidence. It is in Satan's best interest to keep you off your knees. It's in his best interest. You ever nail down to pray and then you can't get your mind focused? You're trying to pray for this person, trying to pray for this thing. You can't get focused and you have to spend multiple times. Satan, I rebuke you. Satan, I rebuke you. Satan, I, and you spend it's like your whole time in prayer. Satan, I rebuke you. Satan, I rebuke you. And you feel like you're getting nowhere. This is where I understand it's faith versus sight. But if you have the ability to look in that spiritual realm, every time those words come out of your mouth, Satan, I rebuke you, nails him right in his head. He's reeling. Please, God, don't let him say it again. Please don't let him say it again. Throw some more distraction. Throw some more discouragement. Throw some more depression. Stir this up. Stir this up. Please make him stop praying. What's your prayer life look like? And again, if he ain't fighting you, if the devil ain't fighting you, that means he's already got you. Even death itself can't stand there. Chop a hole right through it. Chop a hole right through it. He said, that's right. Satan's army brings diseases. God's army is commissioned, commissioned to cast them out. I'm not just talking about ministry. I'm talking about the hand of every believer. I don't care how old you are. In the hand of every believer. See, the key word in that is believer. I know preachers have been preaching for years that are not believers. 
They might quote that Bible backwards and forwards. They might be able to quote the message back and forwards, but they're not believers. They don't believe what's in what's already in their head. Now, I, I believe you should memorize the word. I believe you should put as much of it in your mind as you can. You need to. You'll put anything else in. You'll put anything else in. You. How much of the junk you got memorized? If I could forget uh, just the novels I've read, and let's just say, let's pick one genre. Let's just say, forget all science fiction novels right now. I could easily hold the message and the Bible. Easily. I would give anything to do that. But you can remember that for, it's so easy. But when it comes to memorizing the word and the message, oh man, that was harder than I thought it was. I saw, um, I, I don't know, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I seen they've apparently have debates about, um, Instead of a spelling bee, a, a quoting, a memorization bee of the Bible. And I just seen one the other day, it was on Bethany's Facebook, that this, this one, they, they'd ask, they start quoting, they start quoting a, a scripture, and you've got to grab which one it is and then tell them which one it is, then turn around and quote that entire thing. How far would you get? This girl, I don't know if she's less than 18, they threw at her Second Chronicles or something like that. She told them what it was, what verse it was, then turned around and quotes 10 verses in a row. Starts crying, quoting it off of memory due to the power of that word. Boy, I'm just... I'm, you see why the devil keeps you from memorizing it? You're supposed to encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing. You take that word, and Lord, I'm having a bad day today. Let's run back through some of your promises. We sang that earlier. Every promise in the book is mine. All these promises are to you. There's a difference between a promise and a curse. I know some people get hung up on that. They don't like it. Well, there's a promise to Satan. There's a promise. To, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm never going to sing that I'm concluding those promises there. I'm only going to take the promise. So there's a difference between a promise and a curse. I know people get hung up on that. That's why I'd, I'd make that stringent statement. But I believe the promises of God. And guess what? I believe them for me. I believe them for you. What kind of people ought you to be? What kind of people ought you to be? If you're sitting here tonight and on the way to church, your car broke down or it was running bad, was missing, you got tires going bald, and you pulled up in the driveway, yet you know that in your bank account it's a million dollars. That's all yours. My father. The cattle on a thousand. All the potatoes, all the gold. He, let, me do, let me make this a more clear statement. He owns everything. That would save me a lot less time to tell you he owns everything. He owns it all. And it's his good pleasure to meet your need. Not want, but need. He said, Satan's army brings diseases. God's army is commissioned to cast them out. He said, there you are. Are you that you tonight? Or are you going to slide down in your seat, pretend he's not looking at me? There you are. You're able. You're not just able, you're well able. Go read about Caleb, the son of, is it Shushana or Joshua? I remember exactly his dad's name, but Caleb was, was a Gentile that was accepted by the tribe of Judah. And he tells Joshua when he comes to him, I want a mountain. Now, he's not asking for the plains. He's not asking for the riverside. What he was asking for, if you've read that in a while, was the most inhabited by giants property out there. He said, I want to find the biggest and baddest one. The sons of Anak. Go read it. It'll encourage you. And he's an old man. He said, I'm as well able today as when I was when I went back and I gave the good report then. And all the people that went with me, but one, you have a bad or evil report, the Bible says. 
They gave an evil report because they didn't believe what God said through Moses. That makes it an evil report. You, you, you live in the same, you live, you serve the same God. If you, something's given to you that's contrary to the word of God, that makes an evil report. And if it comes out of your mouth that you're agreeing with it, now you're sharing an evil report. Oh, I can say what I want to. Not if you're bought with a price. Not if you're bought with a price. You can't say that. Did he heal you or did he not? Did he redeem you or did he not? Does he provide for all your needs or does he not? He does. He does. Every time Satan throws any onto you, God's army is to cast him out, cast out. He said that's the very technique that God used. Satan used the army of destruction, the army of destruction, to disbelieve God's word and set him up a better kingdom than Michael had, and God cast him out. Luke 10, 18. God cast him out. Again, I'll share that with you about 10, uh, chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, the 70 come back and they're so rejoicing that even demons are subject to them through his name. That made me pretty excited. I come into my own legion. I met my own legion, Jesus, and this is what happened. I walked up to legion, me, not you, not Peter, not John. I, me, I walked up and said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get out. And guess what happened? It got out. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Can you imagine? These are the testimonies coming back to Jesus. The 70 returned. The same 70 that walked away later when he said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. The 70 returned and said, can you believe this? We said in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the demons are running for the door, jumping out a window. Get away from that name. Get away from that name. And Jesus tells them, don't rejoice for that. Rejoice because your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And then he steps back and makes the most, again, I love his random statements. You have, don't rejoice for that, rejoice for this. And then as random as can be, I beheld Satan fall to the earth as lightning. Again, that's a blunt statement. He said, I kicked him out. The reason why my name, my name, because I kicked him out and everyone with him. Everyone went with him. <laughs> Satan used the armor of destruction to disbelieve God's word and set him up a better kingdom than Michael had, and God cast him out. God's method is cast out the evil. Watch how he links this now. Cast out the evil. Now, Brother Graham, how would you describe casting out the evil? By casting out the reasoning. The Bible says cast down reasoning, cast down imagination and anything that exalts itself against the mighty hand of God. Cast it out. He said, cast down superstition. You, you pick up superstitions in churches too. It's still just a superstition. A superstition is something that's not true. It was taught and told and shared and shared and taught for years and years and years and years and years and years, and, years and now it's truth. It's truth. Everybody's on the same page, right? I need to whip out a statue and have you start praying the statue because that's what we've been doing for 2,000 years, the superstition. Any of those, uh, those ordinances of, of traditions of man through the church that are not in the Bible, that's a superstition. Anything contrary to the word of God is a superstition. And Satan comes at you through a superstition, cast down reasoning, cast down superstition, cast down worry. How many of, that did, uh, of us did it get? 
did, it, did I leave a mark that time? I'll try to wipe it off. Cast down worry. You fight the same enemy I do. You fight and cast down worry. Cast down worry. I love the Bible would tell you about the Shunammite woman. She didn't ask for a son. She never told Gehazi. You tell Elisha, I want a son. She was just trying to do something for the work of God, for the prophet of God. She, she enjoyed what God used him for. And Elisha had to ask Gehazi, what do they need? He's like, they ain't asking for nothing. He said, but I see that they're old. They don't have any kids. Elisha's like, okay, I got that. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now they have a child. Now the child is, I can't remember if it was 8, 10, 12, whatever it was. He's out in the field one day with his dad. He has a heat stroke and he dies. She grabs that baby up. She goes, puts on the bed of Elisha. Nothing happens. She says, it's okay. I know where to go. I, I didn't know if this would work or not because I know that anointing is powerful. I know, but you see her faith wasn't in that. Her faith was in the prophet. So now she takes that child. She puts on the back of a horse. She goes straight to the prophet. You don't even know he's there. I don't care. I'm going. He might not be there this time of year. He might be so I'm going. And then as he's coming up, Elisha says this. He said, something's wrong. Something's wrong, but God's hid it from me. Something's wrong, but God's hid it from me. This is the same man who had been told later that had that let it be known that, that, I can't remember which king it was, the king of the Sumerians, that he would be talking with his people in the private chambers, all of his battle strategy, and Elisha would go tell the king of Israel, and they would just move their people around accordingly. And so he comes back to his people, and it says, who's the spy among us? Who in here is for Israel? And that guy, one of them says, you know, they have a prophet that God tells you, tells him everything you say to us. Word for word, line upon line. That's the enemy's uh, description of what's going on with Elisha's gift. And now you have a woman with a need riding up to him, and Elisha says, something's wrong, but God's hid it from me. You go down there, Gehazi, and you ask her, is all well with thee? Is all well with thy husband? Is all well with thy son? And she said, all is well. See, he talked about Abraham and the faith of Abraham's seed was Abraham grabbed that promise so strong, nothing was going to keep him from it. Nothing was going to keep him from that promise. I've been promised this by someone that cannot lie, that made a covenant and swore by, because there was no one greater. There was no one greater to swear by. He had to swear by himself. And he said, I give this to you. Abraham said, you'll never get that out of my hands. So every day the prophet would say, how you feeling today, Sarah? How you feeling today? Not today, tomorrow. Not today, tomorrow. Not today, tomorrow. Every, 25 years, not today, tomorrow. The prophet said that everybody around knew about it. They come by and they make fun of him. How many kids you got now, Father Nation? How many kids you got now? He said, I'm still holding on. He made me a promise. I will have that son. She had been given this, and she said, all is well. The promise was told of Abraham that his testimony was that the same God that gave him to me as I kill him and give him back to God will raise him right back up from the dead. The same God. Your God. Your God. Cast down worry. Cast down diseases. Cast down sin. You're above it. You need to say amen to that. See, you water the word with your amen. That's why I said Sunday, only amen the things that you believe. 
So if I say something and you don't believe it and you don't answer, okay, I understand, you don't believe it, but you water the word with your amen. You're above it. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I don't care if it looks like I'm standing in mud and sinking. I'm above it because his word says I'm above it. He said, you're above it, resurrected in Christ Jesus, setting in heavenly places with every devil under your feet. Oh, my goodness. If he starts to stick his head in there, he said, you know you're dead. Your life is hid. What is dead? You're dead to your senses. You're dead to your conscience. Your own human will would say, yes, I guess. He said, no, you're dead to your reasoning. You're dead to all those things. You're buried in the name of Jesus Christ and raised with him. You see why baptism is so important? It cannot be in a title. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Straight is the gate. You have to die to be resurrected. If Jesus had not laid down his life, he could not have been resurrected. That's simple. You have to die to be resurrected. The baptismal is meant to be a type of a watery grave. And it's only to be an outward expression of an inward work. You can't walk up there bebopping, hey, how's it going? And I guess you're going to dunk me today and to see what happens. No, no, no. You, you've got a testimony that, that my life is different. Something has changed. Something is different now. And I must be baptized the right way or it has zero effect. Zero. Because all you've done now is move around a dead person. Move around a dead person. Moving around from morgue to morgue. If it's a dead church, it's a morgue. You move one member from this morgue to another morgue. They put embalming fluid in you when you're a corpse. They put embalming fluid. What is a spiritual embalming fluid? Anything to keep you dead. Embalming fluid guarantees you stay dead. To be honest, it guarantees you stay dead. So let me put this on you. I'll put this this doubt on you, this unbelief, these superstitions, this reasoning, all these things, this direct contrast to the word, and I'll keep you dead in your seat. Then if you want to change churches, that's fine. It's just one corpse going to another morgue, going to another morgue, another morgue. You're not serving a living God. You're not in a living church. You're not in a living body anymore. You're still dead in sin and trespasses. That's why you must follow him in baptism. We quoted that to you, that uh, just, uh, just like him in his affliction, you went down just like he did. It's a type of your death, burial, resurrection in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't rise up on that Easter morning and said, here I am in the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Lily of Valley, Sharon, uh, Sharon, the Rose of Sharon, uh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah. Uh, no, no, the Lord Jesus Christ. God has a name. Jesus says, listen to me now. Jesus says, your mind will remember this scripture. I come in my Father's name. You, you, you remember the scripture? I don't have the exact, you, can, you do a Bible app search. You can pull the exact scripture. I, I can't remember which one it is, but I, I come in my Father's name. What was his name? Lord Jesus Christ. What's the Father's name? Lord Jesus Christ. So then what's the Holy Ghost's name? Self, same person all the time. Self, same person all the time. So when you're buried with him, when you're buried with him, and then you're raised with him, you are not the same person that went down. You are not, you realize you got to believe that? Again, here's faith. You got to believe that. 
You got to walk up there. God honors your faith. That's what the gift of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is. It's not Paul asked in Acts 19, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So many churches say, well, you believe, even the message, they'll say the same thing now. You believed it, so now you have the Holy Ghost. That does not give you the Holy Ghost. He said, you received the Holy Ghost since you believed. Brother Ram said that God looks at you. He examines your faith. He looks you over. You say you're a believer, God examines your faith. And he says, here's the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or he says, So that's been done. God looked at you. God through faith. God measured your faith. God said, yes, they were death, burial, resurrection with me. And now you've been made alive in Christ Jesus. And now you're sitting in heavenly places. And now you're ready for the battle. Now you're ready for the bed. He said, you know you're dead. Your life is hid. What is dead? You're dead to your senses. You're dead to your conscience. Your own human will would say, well, I guess. He said, no, you're dead to your reasoning. You're dead to all those things. And you're buried in the name of Jesus Christ and raised with him. I know I'm not conveying that as powerfully as I should. But you're raised with him. You're raised with him. That is the, one of the singular most powerful things that's ever happened on this planet that God died. God, you do not have even a good grip or a fathom of the depth and profundity of that statement that God died. I don't know that we will even in this body. You cannot understand what it meant that God died. But as he is, so are you. As he is, so are you. He says you're, you're, you're raised with him. And then he says, wherever he is, there you are also. Well, I should have got some screaming over that. That's, that's a screaming, shouting statement right there. Wherever he is, I am also. And this ain't a Methodist church no more now. Come on. Wherever he is, that's where I am. The prophet said that when you were buried with him, that you were set in heaven, he pulled his chest back and he put you right there at his heart and he wrapped you back up. You're hid away in him. You're hid away in him. Now, the thing about it is, Satan can't get in there. But you can get out of there. You can go to Satan. That's what, you know, go on the edge of Canaan. I'm going to go taste, you know, what they're doing over there. It kind of looks good. Try that out. Then Satan can touch you. He can touch you. He said, there you are also. What happened with one of them doubters getting to heaven? God kicked him out. What did he say to the soldiers that raised in Christ? When a devil comes along, kicks him out, cast him out. And listen to that. What did he say to the soldiers that raised in Christ? A soldier in the army of the Lord. This is Ezekiel 37. This is Joel 2. Soldiers in the, in the army of the Lord. What did he tell the soldiers that's raised up from the dead with him in Christ. When a devil comes along, kick him out. Cast him out. No, no, we let him stay. He's not bothering me. He's not really bothering me. I don't want to get involved. That's weird. That's awkward. Eh, icky. This is your commission. I quote Mark 16 to you. Mark 16 to you. Go you into all the world. Preach the gospel. This is for you. This is for you. This is not just the ministry. This is to you. It's not just preaching. Stand behind a pulpit and preaching. Your life is preaching all day long. Whether you open your mouth or not, your life is preaching. I pray it's preaching the right thing. 
He said, cast him out. When Jesus trained his army and commissioned them to the ends of the world, go you into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow the believers. Sometimes you got to turn around and look back. What's my fruit look like? Are those signs following me? If they're not following me, Paul would say, examine yourself to see whether or not you be in the faith. Well, now you're just being pushy. You're being judgy. You're being, I didn't say this. Paul said this. Satan will give you a false sense of security so quickly. Oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. No big deal. We're, just, we're okay. And then you keep losing and losing and losing and losing and losing and losing. I'm sick and tired of losing. Especially when we've been given war, warfare like this that defeats him everywhere. Everywhere. Not just in one area, not just in that area, but in every area. It don't just defeat him, it crushes him. It don't just whoop him, it crushes him. Don't live beneath your means. These signs will follow the believers, my soldiers, in my name. In my name, they shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up servants, serpents, drink deadly things. It won't harm them. If they lay their hands on the sick, let's all stand up tonight. Have the musicians come. They shall recover. They shall recover. Why are you here tonight? You know what it means to be in this church. This isn't a picnic. This isn't a social gathering that to come here that you need to be ready for war. You need to know how to fight. You need to know when to fight. You need to know where to fight. We don't have that song in there, I'm united in Jesus Christ, do we? I did put in that song, For Thou, O Lord, is a shield to me. I don't know what that latest number is, Charity. I like to sing that chorus. I don't know what key it is. I'll mess it up when you find me. The lifter of my head, O thou, Lord, art a shield to me. My glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. The glory and the lifter of my for thou, o Lord, thou art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. For thou, o Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. For thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, for the glory and the lifter of my head. Let's bow our heads tonight. Dear precious Lord Jesus, 
Lord, we thank you that you've given us a way to overcome. We understand what your prophet taught, that you can't push us through a four-inch pipe, pick us up on the other end and say, great is the overcomer, because we didn't overcome nothing. But you called a bride to be born in this day, in this season, in the middle of this battle, and she will overcome because you guarantee it. Lord, you train us through all the tests and trials and troubles and fiery furnaces, beds of affliction, offenses, scars, all those things that we go through. You train us through those how to overcome, how to continue to stand. And we are going to stand, therefore, standing fast in this faith that you've restored in our hearts, Lord. We pray, Lord, as we go our separate ways tonight to go back out to, to meet the test and trial, to meet our enemy, Lord, wherever it might be in whatever shape or form or fashion. Let us be vigilant, Lord God. Let us not be cowardly. Let us not be terrified, Lord. But let us speak your word with boldness that we would step out there and decapitate any demon dog that comes against us or our loved ones, Lord. Point us in the right direction, Lord. Lead us and guide us. We surrender all of our lives to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Satan, I speak to you right now. You have fought us and fought us and fought us. And so many times you've had marvelous success, but those days are over. You're done. We're coming for you now. The word of God has built a faith, it's built a body that can guarantee to put you down all day long. That's what that word states, and we believe that word. And we might at times wonder about it, but you can see from the other side we do because how our light is shining. The word calls us light bearers for this age, and I can only imagine how bright that fire is burning before your eyes. You're defeated. We rebuke you. We cast you out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cast you out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord God, have mercy on your people. Help us. Draw us nearer to thee, Lord. Make us more like thee. I pray that you bless my brothers and sisters as they would go their separate ways tonight. You keep them safe in their travels, that you let them make it safely home. And Lord, let this word, let this courage that's been built in our hearts tonight, let it continue to grow and grow and grow till all we see is you. We love you with our whole hearts. Help us, Lord. We ask your blessings, Father, for the, our, our services we've got coming up Saturday and Sunday. I pray you'd be with Brother William, that you'd build him up, Lord. You'd give him strength, that you'd give him courage, Lord, to say the things you need him to say that we need to hear for our walk, for our experience, to be drawn closer, Lord. I pray you bless him and his family in such a special way. I pray right now that you would touch Sister Sharon, that you would heal her, Lord God, that you would encourage her faith to be able to accept that finished work, that she would never from this point on ever struggle with asthma ever again. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I curse that thing. Lord, touch my sister. Touch them, Lord God. Help us, Father. We love you so much and surrender all that we are to you in your lovely and holy name. Amen. Oh, thou, oh, Lord, God, a shield for me, for the glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, thou, Oh, Lord, I'll a seal for me. 
the glory and the lifter of head. For Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my Oh, for Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, but Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, for Thou, O Lord, Thou art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of... Let's sing it one more time to Him. Sing for Thou, O Lord, Thou art a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, for Thou, O Lord, Thou art a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. Rise among us, let the glory of our Lord, let it rise among us, let praises of our King, let it rise among us, let it rise, let the glory, glory of our Lord, let it rise among us. Let the glory of our Lord. Let it rise among us. Let the praises of our King. Oh, rise among us. Let it rise. Oh. Let the songs of the Lord, let it rise among us. Let the songs of our Lord, let it rise among us. Let the joy of our King, oh, rise among us. Let it rise. Sing. Oh, sing, oh, oh, let it rise, sing, oh, 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 oh let it rise. Let the power of our Lord 
Oh, let the power of our Lord, let it rise, let it rise among us. Let the power of our Lord, let it rise among us. Let praises of our King, let it rise among us, let it rise. Oh, sing, let the presence of the Lord, let it rise among us. Let the presence of our Lord, for among us, let the praises of our King, let it rise among us, oh let it rise, sing oh, oh sing oh, oh, just let it Forgiveness in the room today. 
see the Father run, saying, Welcome home, my son. There's forgiveness in the room today. There's deliverance in the room. There's deliverance in the room. There's deliverance in the room today. Oh, for your chains that have me bound. They're falling to the ground. There's deliverance in the room. To let's sing, I feel Jesus. Oh, I feel Jesus in this room. I feel Jesus in this room. I feel Jesus in this room today. stay the same I feel Jesus in the room today God bless you, you are dismissed tonight